WENJHD, Millville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosier. I think our track record in the last 20 years, how many NFC's titles, playoff appearances, and appearances in the NFC Championship game, those are some of the metrics I look at, and um, I'll compare our record with uh, almost anybody. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. This is Football at Four. Here we go. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast, and of course, brought to you locally by Dr. Lyle M. Back for everything from skin care to cosmetic surgery. Go to ILoveLyleBack.com or call 856 Makeover for Dr. Lyle M. Back, proud sponsor of Football at Four. There he is, Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast, which dropped this morning with a lot of intel on the Eagles coaching staff, the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. He was hired over the weekend. Uh, today they have hired an offensive coordinator, with his, uh, which is uh, Shane Stryker, and uh, he is coming from Stryker, and uh, he is coming from the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I guess the one question uh, that everybody will find out most when they have a press conference, whenever that is, will Sirianni call his own plays, or do they anticipate that the offensive coordinator uh, will – call plays maybe that's why they couldn't get a guy who was a little bit uh more veteran i don't know that whole dynamic i guess we won't find out until uh sirianni speaks yeah i really look forward to hearing uh rick sirianni uh, nick sirianni speak uh, and jeffrey lurie I, I mentioned this in the podcast this was not the kind of hire that i think we all thought jeffrey was going to make going into the search you know we had heard about the mike kafka's the Lincoln Rileys, and then eventually the Josh McDaniels. And all those three kind of fit that category of someone who's considered uh, either innovative himself, like um, Lincoln Riley, or guys like Kafka and McDaniels who come from programs that have had uh, offensive innovation out in Kansas City and New England. And here's a guy in, in Nick Sirianni who comes from a Colts team that has performed well on the field, uh, especially when they had Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers. But it's not like anything they do has really lit the NFL on fire as far as scheme innovation. So in, in some respects, Jeffrey did not chase a scheme with this hire, and he went with a guy who was an offensive coordinator who did not call plays. And I do look forward to hearing about what what Sirianni's plan is. I imagine he's going to call plays, but uh, you never know. We'll see. Usually these guys who get that opportunity uh, at least want that shot first time around. Yeah, I mean, you figure that you get into coaching because you want to – what did Doug say? Hey, it's fun calling plays. I like doing it. You get into coaching because you want to do that. To completely skip over that step for Sirianni, who went from an offensive coordinator who didn't call plays to then head coach and then never get to call plays, I would anticipate that his plan is to do that. Uh, so I don't know what kind of impact – when you're an offensive coordinator and you do not call plays, does what kind of role or impact does that – coach then have yeah that's a good question and and you know i can't pretend to know every single uh, system and how they do it but in general in talking with people around the league on on how that works if you're an offensive coordinator who does not call plays a lot of times you're responsible for uh taking all the information that your offensive staff has um as far as play designs or or uh areas that you want to attack the opponent things of that nature playbook stuff and and kind of piece it all together and then decide, 
you know, what's it's almost like you're the filter, right? You're going to take the best ideas that you've got and present them to the head coach um, and maybe whittle out some things that, that may not work on a specific week. You're kind of like the main organizer, but you, there, there's also responsibilities that the offensive coordinator may have that's germane to just himself. In other words, he could just be, he could be the third, he could be responsible for third down offense while someone else is responsible for red zone uh, plays while someone else is responsible for, you know, other situational type of football on the staff. I, that's how it was with, um, with Frank Reich and with John Filippo for Doug Peterson. I, I, it, it escapes my mind. One of them was responsible for third down. The other was responsible for red zone. Since he's so young at age 39, is it surprising to you that they didn't go with maybe a veteran guy, either Anthony Lynn, Jim Caldwell, Marvin Lewis, something that someone that just has a little bit more veteran in them, and they, they kind of went in a different direction with all young guys? Yeah, he seemed to choose familiarity over experience. There's no doubt about it. I think that's a fair question, and I think that just makes you – less as a fan or as a media observer, a little less knowledgeable uh, about what, what exactly you're getting. Like with certain guys, let's say it's a Jim Caldwell or somebody else who you've seen in action before, you know what their history is, you know what schemes they're going to favor or prefer, then that gives you an, an idea of what they might do. It may, it may not be help you, you know, determine whether or not they're going to be successful or not, uh, and neither is not knowing. Uh, about these guys going to help you determine whether or not they're going to be successful. But it just means you, you're you a little bit more left into the dark on what these guys really are, what they do, what they prefer. Um, and so that that actually makes it kind of intriguing, Hunter, right? I mean, you're really going into this thing uh, kind of uh, in the situation where you have a lot to learn about these guys. So what about, um, you know, one of the things to me that I find interesting is the fact that Sirianni has been both a wide receiver coach and a quarterback coach. So, you're getting a guy like I'm very interested to see. There's been so many different wide receiver coaches here, and if if that's something that we see a big jump in the development of a guy like Rieger, uh, can they utilize him like they had T.Y. Hilton a couple of years ago? He wasn't great this past year. I think that had a lot to do with Rivers' inability to maybe push the ball down the field, but with Luck, he was really good, uh, and also. A guy like Fulgham. I find that Fulgham's going to be a fascinating training camp story. I think Fulgham will be a really interesting story, but I think you were um, hitting it on the head with Jalen Rager in that what I have found in my research, and I'm sure other people have seen it too, there's a video of Nick Sirianni kind of breaking down a couple of plays um, that he was when he was with the Colts, and it was other teams. The Eagles were one of the teams that he broke down. He broke down the um, the Zach Ertz go-ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl on why he likes 12 personnel and how that can help you with matchups. But in that, he also showed a play from San Diego with Tyrell Williams, and he made the statement that his goal, his objective, is to try to get the ball in the hands of his most dynamic and fastest playmakers within 5 to 10 yards of scrimmage. And what he wound up showing was, uh, a formation where you have a one by three with the three on the right side, all running verticals, which kind of cleared out the defense. And then Tyrell Williams as the X just coming across the field with wide open space because everybody else is defending the deep vertical passes. And he was able to, you know, get the ball on maybe a five to seven yard catch and then turn up field and get more yards. So if that's really his objective, that's really good for Jalen Rager. Uh, as far as becoming a more focal point in the offense. And remember last year, you know, one of our big criticisms of Doug Peterson was that everything was so vertical 
vertical, so vertical. Your offensive line can't block. Your quarterback is struggling, and then you're calling plays constantly to get the ball down the field when you have those uh, elements going against you. But it sounds like uh, Nick Sirianni will be a little bit more devoted to mixing that up and trying to work that short to intermediary route. Obviously, there's going to be a position coach for Carson Wentz, but I wonder how much Sirianni will will be involved in, quote, fixing Carson Wentz himself. But, you know, something that concerns me a little bit is, since he's calling plays for the first time, we'll be creating the offense, a first-time head coach. We saw last year Doug Peterson was a little bit overwhelmed with so much on the table. So if he's going to try and fix Carson Wentz on top of that, you know, is there a concern there? Well, I mean, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I mean, it's true that Carson Wentz's name came up in the interviews with candidates. Adam Kaplan was the the first to report that. But as Adam said on the podcast this morning, nobody told uh, the the coaching candidates that Carson Wentz was definitely going to be on the team. They just wanted to hear what their plan was for him. But to answer your question, Hunter, yeah, I think that um, whenever you have a rebuild as – the coaches would face here, um, that would be a concern that you have to put a lot of work into it. And that's why it's important that Nick Sirianni has guys around him that he really trusts to be able to do that. It's not going to be on Nick. It's really going to be about the quarterback's coach, whoever that winds up being, uh, and the offensive coordinator, much like it was about, you know, John D. Filippo and Frank Reich being there for Carson Wentz when he was successful and Doug Peterson being allowed to, capitalize on that and then be a head coach as well so it'll the responsibility yes falls on Nick Sirianni but the the people who are be carried uh who'll be asked to carry out that job and and tasked with the repairing of Carson Wentz or rebuilding of him will have to be those those assistant coaches uh we're talking with Jeff Mosher football at four I don't know you guys see this tweet from Will Parks I did see it this morning actually that he essentially tweeted out that these uh receivers in Philly are about to go crazy I don't know if he's taking a shot at somebody but uh, for whatever reason he thinks the Eagles uh, wide receivers should have been better maybe last year well I mean I think we all would have liked to have seen the Eagles wide receivers be better at least with Travis Fulgham to you know carry over that four or five game stretch, and of course with Jalen Rager who who battled injuries to be uh, a little bit more on page with the quarterback because there were opportunities with both quarterbacks and Jalen Rager, and it just didn't hit. And the weird thing is that Will Park saying that it's not like he has any experience, to my knowledge, with any of the current Eagles coaches. So maybe he knows something that that we don't. But he he was he was in Denver. And Sirianni for a little while was his rival in uh, L.A. So with the Chargers. So I don't know, maybe he saw something in the Chargers offense that he feels like Sirianni uh, or even the new guy, Shane Steichen. Steichen. Striker. Steichen. Steichen. Yeah, <laughs> will be a part of. Yeah, Shane Steichen is the new offensive coordinator who, you know, it's funny, if you read a lot of message boards and stuff, the people in L.A. seem like, hey, you take this guy. It didn't seem that he was the most popular guy out there, but we were talking about this before he came on, Mosh. If you're Wentz, you say, hey, I like what I saw from Herbert. Now, Wentz is a little bullish and hard-headed. He might not think this way, but wouldn't you be excited by the fact that, hey, I like what Herbert was able to do with that offense. Let's see if they can bring some of that stuff here. Yeah, I think you have to give Steichen a, a fair amount of credit, you know, for a guy who's kind of sort of unknown and most people didn't know who he was before this coaching search started. But I mean, the team lost its its starting quarterback in a really strange way, uh, Tyrod Taylor, right before a game. Right, it wasn't even like a day or two. It was right, uh, I believe, at the the day of the game, he got the punctured lung thing from the injection, and in comes Justin Herbert, and all of a sudden, there's a new starting quarterback 
for the Chargers, who was going to eventually be the quarterback, but was not, you know, in the plans at that moment. And then Justin Herbert took over. Uh, he seemed to improve every week. He was named Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, he certainly looked like uh, a very good player. And um, so, and the offense. Now, it wasn't a great offense. I think they they were, uh, you know, bottom third. They averaged like twenty one points a game. They were maybe maybe not bottom third, bottom half. They weren't uh, an electrifying offense, but uh, I do think you have to give them a little credit for for what they did with the quarterback there on the fly. I do want to get your thoughts on Deuce because it's a hot topic around here. Well, what are your thoughts on him going to another organization with the same job and the same exact title? What does that really say about you know how it kind of played out here? Well, when you really want to know how badly a guy wants to get out of a situation, you measure it by the situation he takes. He took a job in Detroit. I mean, <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's not exactly a... Uh, a, a fertile ground for coaches uh, in the last few years. That's it's where coaches go to die, to be honest with you. So, uh, but look, they do have a new head coach there uh, in who has probably got a, at least a few years to turn it around. And uh, what's his name? I can't. Uh, Campbell. Uh, Campbell, right? Yeah, the WWE yeah, so, superstar, according to his press oh, conference. Man, look, look, look don't, I mean, Deuce is kind of in that same mold, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of kneecap eating from the head coach down to the assistant <laughs> head coach. And, you know, those guys can, like, paint their face and walk out to the WWE ring. They could be the new road warriors. So he, he at least found uh, a situation where, A, he was wanted, and, B, he definitely fits what the identity of the team is, at least what they're trying to uh, cultivate over there. And and let's not forget that the Lions have had this carousel of running backs going on for quite a while. They seem to have settled on a kid in DeAndre Swift who looks like he's going to be a good one. He's from Philly, so he may have some – Deuce may even know him a little bit. Uh, but There goes Bosch. Football 4, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Jeff Bosher, there he goes. He's back. All right, he froze for a second there. I think that happens when I start talking too much. <laughs> it's like the monitor. We're gonna like, li- all right, shut up, Jeff. Limit his answers here. <laughs> um, all right, no, a couple of other things that uh, we want to touch on, too, because Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, highly regarded. There's people that are excited about this. He had some other offers, obviously, uh, Sirianni knew him, so they had a little bit of a, um, you know, um, an in there. But what do you guys expect to see from him that might be different from what Jim Schwartz did? He got criticized a lot for not blitzing, but the Eagles were third in the league in sacking the quarterback this year. So his philosophy was get pressure with my defensive line. What what might we see from Jonathan Gannon? Well, Adam uh, Kaplan was front on this, saying he got some information from some sources who know um, the style that Gannon likes to coach with. And he said, one thing you'll probably see. No, see, he didn't talk all that much, and he just went away. See, this is the good stuff right here. Now we're missing oh, we out. got it. Yeah. We got Am it. I back? I'm one. S- I apologize for this. Yeah. I'm what? sorry. What are you going to do? It's uh, 2020, 2021. Yeah. We blame that for everything. Yes, that's fair. Um, so more cover two, and then apparently more blitzing. So even though the Colts don't blitz a lot, he did he did spend time with Mike Zimmer in um, Minnesota, and we know that Mike likes to do those double A gap blitzes with the linebackers. So, uh, and again, maybe he doesn't bring this over. Maybe those are just his influences. But those are our two kind of concepts that I think you can look out for with this team: uh, more cover two and perhaps more blitzing. 
So, you know, that's obviously music to some people's ears, but uh, he was also a defensive back coach. And if somebody put the message up that's watching on the uh, YouTube channel that the Eagles had problem developing wide receivers, defensive backs, they go out and get a guy who was a head coach and worked with wide receivers, their defensive coordinator worked with defensive backs. So, uh, you know, obviously that's an area where this team has struggled the last couple of years. So you're hoping that Gannon is going to be able to come in here and work with some of these guys that maybe there is more talent to get out of these guys than what they were getting. I hope so, Mike. I mean, I think the one thing you have to hope for is some continuity here, um, even if there's some rough patches along the way, and uh, because it's hard to develop players, and I think this has been an issue for the Eagles when you're constantly shuffling coaches in and out of here. You know, we talked about how many wide receivers coaches they've had. They've had a couple of D-backs coaches as well, had a couple of different defensive line coaches. How do you develop talent when you got a different guy in a different mindset trying to coach a position every other year. I think that's very difficult. And that's not on always the head coach. Sometimes if, again, you know, the owner is making a call or or if there's pressure from above to get rid of one guy and get another, then that becomes a situation that becomes, you know, pervasive on the whole team. So hopefully, even if there's a little rougher first year here, that the coaches are given a chance to kind of develop themselves as they develop their talent. And it's not everybody's got to go. Everybody's got to go as soon as something doesn't go right. How much do you think the lack of turnovers from the cornerback position, turning their head around, was on Schwartz's system? Like, Do you think a new D.C. coming in here changes that? The fact that these guys would never be able to go up and high point the football and actually you know, generate a turnover that way? <laughs> it's funny the face I know. is frozen I know. on our it's screen like, right now. Are you kidding me, Broads? Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually just pressing a button to screw with you guys. No. I can be completely fine. No, I think coaching is a big part of it. If you look at the Ravens, their defensive backs are so good at jamming the ball out. I mean, they almost all play like Peanut Tillman, uh, the old Bears cornerback who used to be infamous for stripping the ball away. So I, you know, I don't know enough about the coaches who are going to be here to say that that's going to happen, but I sure hope that uh, a different viewpoint, a different perspective uh, helps these cornerbacks out and helps them develop, whoever these cornerbacks are going to be. Hey, uh, Jeff, you guys reported it inside the birds that Press Taylor will not be back. I don't know if that's a huge surprise, but he really is the, the, the catalyst for all of what's happened. I mean, realistically, I mean, Peterson wanted to promote him. That kind of started the domino effect that we now have, and he is not here. I don't know if that's a big surprise, but uh, kind of like looking back at, he got hired by Chip Kelly. People forget that. He made it through the Kelly regime, got through to Peterson. Peterson wanted to promote him, and now he's gone. He's only 33 years old, so uh, th this guy's been an interesting kind of figure in this organization the last couple of years. He has been. A lot of people think he's a really bright guy and that he deserves to have a job in an NFL coaching department. Now, maybe Doug Peterson didn't do him any solids by making the quarterbacks coach because you'll hear that his his style of coaching is not aggressive and not as accountable as maybe some others. So maybe the promotions that he was getting were not helping him. Maybe they were helping him financially, but not exactly helping him or the team or putting him in the best situation. So it doesn't surprise me that with the new regime that they're going to have different people. The guy that, that – See what you did? You put your hand up and then that stopped him. <laughs> Stop doing that, Hunter. Hunter's screwing me up. Yeah. Now, Kevin Petullo, the guy who came yeah. in from the Colts, is going to basically have that 
title and position. So there's really no no room for Press Taylor here anymore. Yeah, so he Petula's coming over from the Colts with Sirianni, basically taking that role. But, you know, from what you understand and know, I mean, there was a lot of people reporting that he was just not very tough on Carson Wentz. They were kind of friends, right? That, that kind of prevented him from being hard, and there was a lot of reports that he would call some things out in the – you know, film room and Wentz would kind of blame other people and that Taylor wouldn't really come back at him. Yeah, he didn't coach him hard. That, that's that's really the bottom line. That's what I heard from a lot of different people. Um, you know, I don't know if they're, if they're like best friends or anything, but they are close and he just did not, uh, he did not pr- uh, press, you know, for lack of a better word, he didn't press Carson the way John Filippo did. And so uh, Carson already was kind of a guy who came in from, North Dakota State, big man on campus. He needed uh, a guy like Filippo who was going to hold him accountable and tell him that, as you know what, doesn't stink all the time or mm-hmm. does stink all the time. But that that just wasn't the the message that Press Taylor was giving. And because of that, it just became an untenable situation. So are you surprised that, number one, how do you read? Like, it seems that these are Sirianni's picks. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I think there's a misconception about the whole puppet thing. And, like, I don't think that – Coaches were forced on Doug Peterson from the start of his career. Uh, he certainly wasn't a guy who knew the league very well, so he needed help. But it. Where does he live? <laughs> Where does he live? Siberia. Yeah, yeah right. Siberia. It's tough out here, man. It's cold. There's no Wi Fi in Siberia. I moved last month. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just saying to me, the measure of whether or not it's a puppet. Thing, like people say is whether yeah. or not Sirianni's coaches are allowed to stay a year to whether he has that continuity or whether changes are, are kind of uh, you know enabled on him immediately after things go wrong all right uh, Jeff Mosher last one before we let you run here um, are you surprised at all that they didn't go with a more like veteran type of guy you know bringing in you know a more veteran um, group of you know, maybe a veteran defensive coordinator instead of going with guys who had no um, history or background doing it. Well, one thing we heard about Gannon was he was kind of the rising star uh, defensive assistant who was ready to be a defensive coordinator. And I was told that Jeffrey Lurie uh, knew who Gannon was and, and thought that that would be a great get for the team. So if Sirianni had brought his name up in conversations like we can get this guy, that probably helped his case in getting the job. So while it is surprising that there are not veterans in the two spots, it does seem like Gannon was a very, uh, was a coveted guy who people felt around the league felt was his time to become a defensive coordinator. Now, real quick, have you heard bros brought this up before that it's like an unwritten rule. If you are on Andy Reid's staff, you don't pluck from the staff. I feel like that's old school. I, I, I remember that back in the day. You know, I think he blocked Spagnuolo from interviewing a long time before Spagnuolo got the Giants uh, defensive coordinator job. But I don't know that that happens as much anymore. Because uh, the Colt, it feels like every guy, every shirt, every polo that I've seen is all Colt shirt so far. Uh, you got the Chargers, obviously, but uh, they plucked three guys, Sirianni, uh, Gannon, and uh, Patula, all from uh, Indianapolis, and then uh, Steichen is coming from L.A. with the Chargers. So, therefore, uh, you got four new faces, plus uh, Tracy Rucker, I guess, will be the defensive line coach. Isn't this kind of weird to, like, spitball these names back and forth? Like, we don't even know some of them. Who's this guy? Who's that? It just it feels like we are just in such a weird territory here with the Eagles. 
Yeah, it's like it's like when you go to like your favorite like establishment, but it got bought by somebody new, and now like <laughs> that place just feels a little different when you walk in. Like the new owner wants to yeah. like, like, like I'm hey, picturing welcome it. to the spot, yeah, like, dude. I've been coming here for twenty years. Yeah, like, I'm picturing a diner that got bought by someone. They changed their name, their menus, different. It's like, what am I doing here? No, they kept the same name of the place. Like, oh, they got all, the same name. Yeah, it's like everything's the same. They just got a new owner, and the, the owner's like, hey, thanks for coming in. It's like, dude, I've been coming here for twenty years. Don't give me this like whole, you know. That's how it feels. Yeah, but then all of a sudden it plays mind tricks with you. Like the soup isn't as good as it used to be, or the uh, the chicken just tastes a little funnier now. Yep. Yep. And hey, little tweaks, little changes. Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds podcast. Make sure you listen to the latest edition of the Inside the Birds podcast. Get some more intel on the new head coach Nick Sirianni. Also, take a look at the coordinators, the futures of some of these other guys, and uh, the coaching staff changes. It's all at the Inside the Birds podcast, which drops Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays at 6 a.m. And, of course, every day on Football at 4. All right, Mosh, get better Wi-Fi, would you? I'll try. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. He, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. There you go. Jeff Mosher, of course, uh, Football at Four. It's brought to you by Dr. Lyle M. Back. For everything from skin care to cosmetic surgery, go to ilovelyleback.com or call 856-MAKE-GO-VERT today. This is the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. And, of course, streaming live video right now. Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. I wonder... The next, you know, they're going to start hiring uh, position coaches if they get some more veteran guys there. You know, like your your quarterback coach, your defensive back coach. Is that where they get some of, like, the old grizzled guy who's just been a defensive back coordinator his whole life? Right, sort of like the Stoutland of their positions. This guy, this veteran guy who everyone kind of respects in that field, in that territory. Yeah, I guess it's possible, but it seems like the trajectory is sort of a young younger coach like it seems like the trajectory that they want to go down is this new generation of young guys so i won't be surprised all right uh coming up we got plenty more in terms of the eagles what about carson wentz where does he sit in all this we'll get into that sports bash live 97.3 and there is a veteran coach that Sirianni has worked with to keep an eye on. We'll give you some of those names coming up right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and streaming live video, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Turn it on. Leave it on. Twitter, search 97.3 ESPN, or visit our website, 97.3 ESPN.com. All right, Sports Pass being brought to you by Matt Blatt Nissan. The all-new Matt Blatt Nissan is now open on the Black Horse Pike at Egg Harbor Township next to Home Depot. Visit them online at mattblattnissan.com. So there has been so much that's happened. We didn't get a big chance to get into the games from yesterday. But... We got a Super Bowl. It's all set. It's Buccaneers and Chiefs. Now, there's no real, like, historical significance between these franchises. But you got Brady versus Andy Reid. So you got that going. And you got Mahomes versus Brady. I just saw a meme. It's like, not a meme. It's like a video. And uh, people are got when The Rock faced uh, Hollywood Hogan at WrestleMania. And they're both staring at each other. And it's like, you know, I'm old, you're the new guy, and the crowd's going bonkers, and it's like Brady and Mahomes staring at each other. Like, I've done this ten times, but, all right, you've been here twice. You're pretty cool, too. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is an awesome matchup, and 
You know, I, I'm sure, I don't know, actually. I was going to say I'm sure most of the city's rooting for Andy Reid because of the ties here, but knowing how it all went down, some might hate him for some reason. I'm rooting for Tom Brady, though. I really am. For him to win seven in ten trips, I'm all about dominance. I'm all about seeing the greatest athletes play. And not that Pat Mahomes isn't, because I think he's going to follow Tom Brady's footsteps when it's all said and done. But I would love to see Tom Brady win the Super Bowl again. I really would. Uh, I'm definitely pulling for Randy. And that's... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if he wins by any means. No, but... I mean, I'm not like definitively one side or the other, but uh, I'd love to see Andy get two in a row so that all the... People around here who just thought Andy was not a good coach can be like, all right, maybe this guy knew what he was doing. Oh, of course, sir. There's no doubt about it. The, the plays that they run is insane. Now, specifically, some of the ones were targeted last night were the red zone plays, which apparently Eric Bieniemy take care of that, and there was some so much creativity. It's like you have no clue what they're going to do. They have so many damn weapons. They have so many play actions, so many end arounds, this and that, the shovel pass in the red zone, you name it. They just have so many plays that they can die up where you're lost. They have very good talent. That helps. Yeah. Although, you know what's interesting? Eric uh, Fisher, the tackle, he's the only first-round pick other than Mahomes on the on, that that's out there. Well, that means they just have an eye for other rounds to be able to pluck some guys elsewhere. Right. Well, I'm saying, like, we talk so much about the draft, and you got to hit on these guys, and they say, no, not really. Well, they're hitting on guys. They're just not, they're hitting on more than just first-round guys. Sure, but their first again, the Eagles hit on guys. They just don't hit on the first round guys. So we get mad that they don't hit on those guys because they're the most important. And Kansas City's saying we don't hit on those guys either. But our later round guys are our best players. I mean, Tyree Kill was you know a later round well, guy. If the Eagles were drafting like they were in later rounds, I don't think you'd be hearing the bitching as much about the first rounds. The point I'm making is that it can be done other ways. Like the fact that they have not relied on the first round of the draft really other than Mahomes I mean they got him at number 10 they traded up to get him and that really changed a lot is that them. also the nature of the beast of though like when you're the New England Patriots and you draft 30 for you know 30th or so in the bottom of the first round every single year it's like you don't get that impact as much because you're just you're so good you don't get that impact well, player to be as much. fair the eagle the J.J. Ortega Whiteside we act like he was a first round pick that they missed on he was a second round pick well, and we're almost saying because but because Right, well, because he was a wide receiver, and even though you took him in the second round, we wanted him to be a superstar. He's just been so bad that, you know. Yeah, you got someone who's a healthy scratch, so it's almost yeah. like it's so it's so egregious. It, it intensifies the conversation for sure. But I get what you're saying. You can do it other ways. The Chiefs are doing it. It's crazy. I, I thought when I watched the first game, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Tom Brady play out. Todd Bowles stood out to me. And, and you bring up Fisher. That's why I kind of wanted to go this way. JPP, Shaq on that Tampa Bay Buccaneers line. That could be a matchup to watch for. you got a banged-up Chiefs offensive line. Todd Bowles, is that defense is holding Tom Brady into it. You get three interceptions in three consecutive drives. The defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is holding their own, and uh, that's a storyline for sure. That banged-up O-line versus Todd Bowles and that defense. Well, it's like uh, I'm looking through how they were built. Eric Fisher was drafted. Kelsey, I'm imagining, was like a third-round pick. I don't remember Kelsey definitively, but I'm imagining he's like a third-round pick, right? Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head where exactly but they're But their offensive line, most of those guys, like, so they, they got Schwartz was a free agent. Um, man, some of Wisniewski these guys. was playing yesterday. Wisniewski, free agent. Wiley. Um, 
Hardman's another one. Like that's the kind of guy that the Eagles never get. When you draft Mecole Hardman, and I think he was another guy that was in that draft class where, hey, he was available. You could have picked a guy like him, and that's where it just bites you. Is that you don't have like these? Like, Are they hoping Quez Watkins is that guy? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, Hardman was a second round pick. Your second round pick flounders. Their second round pick turns into. A role player, which is what a second rounder, you know, typically would, would be a guy who has a role who isn't maybe the stud, but whatever. Like, I don't know. It's like this team has hit on so many guys. Like, yeah, they but- have just done such a good job at finding, uncovering the the talent um, that uh, you know has put them in. Look, there, and that's why Andy's great though, because Andy has say in all that, and he, you know, it's Andy Reid. I mean, it speaks for himself, right? He's had the track record that he's had for a reason. He's one of the best ever. And if he continues with Pat Mahomes, here's the thing. Can, can you see a scenario where they win 5-6 Super Bowl? Of well, course. They're on like you could have Andy and Mahomes kind of become the Brady and Belichick of the 2020 like the the interesting part will be is how many more years like Andy remember he got into it so early. So Andy isn't all that old when you think about yeah, it. I think he's in his young in his sixties, right? The younger sixties, like sixty two in that range or so. He is sixty two years old. Yeah. So I mean, you could see Andy maybe coaching for another eight years. Sure, no doubt about it. And and I was listening to ESPN this morning. I was listening to Get Up. And when it comes to Pat Mahomes' contract, you know, the big one that he signed, you still got a year or so until that thing really kicks into place. So, you know, in terms of building that roster, things will change when that really that five hundred million dollar contract really pops into place, but uh, look, you, you know, that gives you room to operate a little bit more over the next handful. Yeah, their offense was Mahomes 10th pick, Tyreek Hill 5th rounder, Kelsey 3rd rounder, Eric Fisher 1st rounder. He's the only 1st round pick, they said, other than Mahomes that was playing in the game yesterday for them. And then you've got on defense, 2nd round, 2nd round, 2nd round, 3rd round, 4th, 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 3rd. See, if you hit on those, like if the Eagles were hitting on that with their third-round picks, you know, you don't have the conversation. Uh, and and imagine yeah, if they were crazy. hitting on their first, like, who, who are their first-round picks that they're missing right, on? That's a great question. Really, it is. Like, who are they missing out on there that, they, that they're hitting so well, so deep? Right, like the fact that they're missing on their first-round picks. Why are they, like, who are they missing on? Uh, remember, they have Le'Veon Bell on their team. He doesn't play I at think, all. Where's Sh- oh Shady's with Tampa Bay? I saw him on the bench yeah. thinking, really, Shady's still hanging in there for another. He was there last year and won a ring, correct, with Kansas City. Yeah. Now he flip flopped and he's riding the bench to go win another one. How about that? Yeah, this Shady. year they took Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round, but he's been hurt too. Yeah, he played though. He 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 got in there, but he has been banged up for sure. Williams yeah, he didn't play has- last week. He didn't play the week before either. Right. Yeah, they do not have. They only have one. They got Mahomes, this can't be right, right? Eric Fisher and Hilaire are the only first-round picks on their roster. Did they not have first-round picks for a reason? Sammy Watkins. Oh, Sammy Watkins. Who doesn't do much for them either. They're the only first-round picks they have on the the whole roster. That's weird, though. I, did they get rid of picks to do anything? You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to think. That sounds crazy. Who, like... Who have they taken in the like during Andy Reid's era? He got there in 2016, right? Yeah, I'm going to the list of Kansas City first round picks. Here you go, 2006. 2016 would be Andy's first year. Oh, sorry, 16. I'm sorry. Right, that would be his first year in Kansas City. So you're thinking, all right, who- they had no pick in 2016. They picked. They had no picks. That's why. 
They had no picks in 18 or 19. So now it's making sense well, of why they 16, don't hit in their first round. And 16, that was his first year there. Yeah, no Apparently pick. they had no pick. Right. So they didn't have a pick in oh, because of the Mahomes trade. Right, exactly. I was going to say they moved up. The, they got Mahomes. So all they had was Mahomes and uh, Edwards and Lair. So that's why they haven't had that. Well, Kansas City, all right, in 17, right, they took Mahomes. So you're saying in 18 and in 19, they did not have a first-round pick. Correct. And then they got Hilaire. Okay. Right. So, but the fact that they have no first-round picks from before 16 on the team. Like, they had the number one pick in the draft the one year is when they took uh, they took Fisher. Yeah, they did. They took Fisher. So before that, it was D. Ford in 2014, Marcus Peters in 2015, Jeez. Eric Berry in 2010. Berry's out of the league. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean Barry was a stud. He had yeah. some illness that uh, you know that hampered him, but that is crazy. They got four first round picks on the whole roster. Man, that's what that. Yeah, I mean that's kind of. Sh- I mean that's well, that's was, the outlier. By but- the way, Reed's first season was thirteen. Thirteen. What yeah, do we? Because I'm thinking sixteen is when Peterson got hired here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirteen. He, he was. He's been there since thirteen when. Uh, the Eagles hired Chip Kelly. So, so in in his five first round picks that he had, Fisher, D. Ford, Marcus Peters, Patrick Mahomes, and Edwards Alaire. I mean, that's pretty solid of a first round crew. But you're you know, this could be this is this is why that's where they Peters are. Peters isn't I mean, there anymore. No, but I but he's a good player. Yeah, 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 yeah. Saying, Good player. But you're we're asking why do they not have Peters okay, they drafted Peters, he's already gone. They have four first-round picks on the entire was roster. Was that a personality problem, though? I felt like he kind of... Yeah, he was a jerk. Yeah, they went to Baltimore. I forget where he is now, but... uh, Yeah, he... he Baltimore. Yeah, he had a personality issue for sure. But, look, what do you, how about this, though? Because this was a hot topic. LaFleur yesterday with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. 205 left, so he had I mean, three you timeouts. Go you got to go for it. I know, like, what's he thinking? How can you possibly... But I didn't have a problem, and your boy, big man on campus, Jeff Nadu, kind of went after me a little bit on Twitter. I didn't know if you saw that. Wow. Because the Buffalo Bills, right at the end of the first half, they kicked it to make it a nine-point game. They kicked the field goal instead of going for it. With three or four minutes... I think it was five minutes left in the third quarter, they kicked the field goal to make it a 12... Instead of a 12-point game, it was a nine-point yep, game. Yeah, I remember. And I said, look... I didn't agree with you. Okay. But yeah, my philosophy was... Well, and I'll tell you why I don't agree with you. Okay. The Bills were aggressive all year. And then yesterday, it seemed like they were being, it was like the moment was too big for the coaching staff. That was the message that, to me. The message, I hear what you're saying, but that's a different message than who they've been all year. They've been the aggressive team. They're the explosive offense. And it was like they got to this moment and it was too big for them. So they pulled back a little bit. I think that's funny because what Kevin Cash did with Blake Snell was my argument was, this is who they've been all year. So you stick to who you've been all year, but you said you can make an adjustment in a bigger moment. So it's funny that yeah, I'm but I didn't like this. that adjustment. They didn't do the adjustment. I'm saying they, I didn't like the fact, I didn't like their adjustment, which was to go from an aggressive team to a conservative it wasn't, team. The way that you beat a team that is essentially the favorite is you go after them, put but, pressure but on that's them. That's the only people think that's the only way to win. There's plenty of, of there's more ways right, to do it. There's plenty. Like I don't care. I don't mind that they they wanted to hang in there as long as possible, and then once they hung in there, then you attack and be aggressive later in the game. Like yeah. if it's if you're the Buffalo Bills, and I tell you this, say you're the head coach, Gil. It's a nine-point game. <laughs> Visor, I want you to look good out there. No, I'm not going It's Visor. a nine-point game against the Kansas City Chiefs with 20 minutes left to play. Are you taking that against the Kansas City Chiefs? You're the Bills. A nine-point game with 20 minutes left. That's reachable distance. That's not it's egregious. Oh, yeah, I agree. So I'm okay with that. I'm not talking about that. That, like, that particular... I'm just saying the game in general. Right. My, 
I thought the game in general, they were too passive. Majority of people feel that way, and I get it. I'm not disagreeing with that. But they if you were, watch them all but, year, they weren't like that. Right. You know, they were the aggressive team, and it was like they conformed to the Chiefs. And and I just feel with the Chiefs, if they didn't get, the, if they went for it and didn't collect those points, those six points on the board, it could get real ugly real early. And I kind of like that they were just saying, let's hang in here as long as possible, and when we need to throw the haymaker, we'll throw the haymaker. Yeah. Unfortunately, they just never got the chance to because you know the Chiefs can do that. So I just didn't hate it as much as everybody else hated it. Well, that, no, I mean, and in that game, they would lose anyway. Well, I mean, I just thought that. They were, again, they were such an aggressive team all year, and then they got a little conservative in certain moments yesterday. Just the play calling itself was just a little. And, you know, they got out to a 9 nothing lead, and it was like they kind of pulled back a little bit. Is that bit. the Chiefs kind of making them uncomfortable, though, just based off of them being the juggernaut? Well, it's the Chiefs not panicking. Yeah, they they play better when they're from behind. Yeah, you know, you remember that game last year? They came storming back. All and, three in the play, every playoff game, they were storming back from last year. It's incredible. It's almost like, hey, Andy's like, hey, can we uh start the game off? Fifteen. That's where I had more of the problem with Buffalo is they had the lead and then they kind of got like, all right, we have a lead. Let's not make any mistakes. Let's not do anything stupid here. And it's like that's not why you're here. Right. Hardman had the fumble on the muffed punt. And then yeah. they jumped right on it. And then yeah. Hardman comes back with an end around for 50 yards. You know, it's just Andy Reid something else, man. That whole entire team is is scary. Juggernaut. I'm curious to see how the Super Bowl plays out. We got two weeks to prepare. You know, that little inside pitch, uh, underhand touchdown. Andy Reid has called that play as like six ways. He's got so many different variations of it. I saw a screenshot. They used to here all the time. Oh, yeah. I saw a screenshot on Twitter. It was like, so I thought it was a play action. And it's Pat Mahomes going back as like a play action play to the running back. And there's five options built off of that. And it says, good luck guessing where this play's going. Jeez. It's just, you, you have so many options built in. And to think we let this guy walk out the door. <laughs> Well, you know, it was time. It was time. I hate how we have to admit that, but it was. It but I'm, was. I'm, I'm hoping Andy wins another one. I, I would be happy I for I just him. hope he keeps piling them up and piling them up and piling them up. That would be Give great. Give me that, five. Then comes back to Philly to get one here because he loved it so much. Yeah. He'll be 75 by then. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. The big decision, though, that everybody's ripping, it, could it mean the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? We'll discuss that coming up on the other side. Sports Bash. Wake up weekday mornings. Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, nine to the top of the hour. Sports Bash. This question came in from the Joe Show watching on YouTube. He says, would the Eagles have won more Super Bowls if we just kept Andy? I don't know. Would they won a Super Bowl with Andy? They were trending downwards for a couple of years. They were 8-8, eight and eight, and they were 4-12 and 12 when they fired Andy. Well, there's two ways to look at it. Uh, you can look at Andy now could have been because of the downfall in Philly, right? Like, it could have helped him grow, get more adaptive. Like, he, he had to self-assess almost. Okay, what can I do differently? Maybe that's why he's so successful now. The problem I have with this question is so much would change. Would you go up and get Carson Wentz? Do you need to do that? Do you feel more comfortable with who you had? Like, I feel like there's so much that would have been different if Doug was never hired and Andy was still here and Chip wasn't hired that – I, you would just have a totally different totally. identity. Because first off, keep in mind the, the lineage here. Chip went and um, they got um, 
Bradford. 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 Right? I forgot his name. So, like, that would never have happened. Right. I don't think he would have ever made a move to go get Bradford. No. And then they had to get Carson Wentz. But Andy Reid with Carson Wentz would be a scary sight, though, with the Carson Wentz of not last year. Yeah, I think uh, Andy – but the question is, would he have done something at the quarterback position before? Like, the whole Bradford thing, they went because – they decided that Bradford wasn't the guy, so they went and got Wentz, and then they traded Bradford away, and then you know he would probably they... would have stuck with Foles. It, it would have been right. like his Alex Smith almost, like this guy who. Well, they had Vic. They did have Vic. Yeah, like they... would Andy have stuck with Vic? Ooh, probably. Could you imagine his offense with Mike Vic? Well, he had Vic. No, I know, but for I'm a little bit, longer. but he never. He was the one that signed Vic. Right. I'm just saying for a little bit longer, and cutting into those Chip Kelly. Yeah, it years. would have been just weird because. I would imagine you wouldn't have had Carson Wentz. You, heck, you might have Patrick Mahomes here. I mean, think about that. You might have been in a situation where the team wasn't very good for a couple of years there because they weren't. And what year was Mahomes drafted? 17? The year after yes. Wentz? So you might not have been good for a couple of years there. And, you know, you might have said, all right, it's time for us to go make that move for the quarterback. There's no way, though, that that team looked at Pat Mahomes and said he could be as good as he is right now. You know, like, it's so hard to imagine someone three years ago saying Pat Mahomes is going to be able to do this. He had to have over exceeded their expectations, you would imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, this is unbelievable. How he Now, they did trade up from where to get him. Where were they? It's a good question. How far did they trade up? To get him. So they picked him at 10. At what point were they like, all right, these other teams are idiots. They're taking Trubisky. That, that's bad. That is brutal. Well, think about that draft. You got Trubisky at two. And. Okay, so what they traded, real quick. Um, they traded with the Bills that had the 10th overall oh, pick. Oh, man. The they got Bills. Kansas the Bills. Can you imagine if the Bills had Mahomes? Yeah, I know. It included Kansas City's 27th pick. A 2017 third round pick and 2018's first round pick. Wait, so, so two, they went two from, first and a third. They went from 27 all the way up to 10. Yeah. With wow. The, yeah. It's a big move there. Yeah, that is. And they For, gave up a pick, two first round picks the next two years. And I don't the, feel like that. That's. It says 2017 third and a 2018 first. So the the pick that year to move up. doesn't seem like that much. No. What are we missing here? Where did they lose that 2019 overall, first overall? Where did they lose that at? I don't know, but think about this. That draft class, the pick before Mahomes was Cincinnati. They took John Ross. You've got to be nauseous.